This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 91 of the Rebel Author Podcast. I'm I'm super excited every single time I say uh, the opening now. Last week I was excited, this week I'm excited. 91 episodes feels like a lot. This week I'm talking to Christy Bromberg and we have a fascinating discussion all about how to sell more books on Apple, uh, how to write sexy scenes and what it's really like having your book translated to film. Last week's question was, what was the last realisation you had? Uh, and we didn't get any responses this week, which I think is a first for a really long time. So I don't know if it was the question or something else. Uh, but yeah, no, no um, responses this week. Okay, so this week's question is... What is your focus for the last half of 2021? So we are smack bang in the middle of um, the year and we've had six months and we've got six months left. So I want to know what your focus is for the last half of 2021. Is there something you want to achieve? Something specific you're going to do? Um, I know that for me it is about publishing and releasing uh, as much as possible in the last half. I feel like the first half of this year has been very much focused on, well, creation uh, and also <laughs> like shifting from massive overwhelm and approaching burnout to offloading and outsourcing lots of stuff. Uh, and yeah, I guess like in a way a sort of level up or a level to the side, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so for me in the coming year, it is going to be all about uh, publishing and releasing products, books, uh, courses, audiobooks, and all of that good stuff. The book recommendation for the week this week is Writing and Marketing Systems by Alana Johnson. I binge read this in like maybe two sittings, but definitely in one day. Uh, it was fantastic. It was a bit painful to read as well. Uh, lots of home truths. Now, I am not recommending this book for early writers, beginner writers. Let me explain. Alana is a seven-figure author who um, has a gigantic backlist of books. She's also um, although she does have some wide books, she is quite KU-centric, I would say, in the book. Now, who is the book good for? The book is good for anybody who wants to establish a writing system, a writing process, uh, or, or a marketing system or process. Uh, it's very good for those who have backlists, um, very good for those who would like to look to the future to see what it could be like, uh, you know, when you're later down in your career. But what I will say is there is a lot of information and a lot, she is a machine and she does an awful lot. Um, she's very clear in the book that not everybody has the life or the lifestyle that she has and therefore, you know, not everything that she does will work and it's all about experimentation. She's very pro experimentation, but um, I can just, I just know if I had read that book when I was just starting, I'd have probably... <laughs> jacked it all in because it is it is a lot however if you are if you've published a few books um or you would like a look at the future or you're just interested about creating consistency and and systems and processes then it's an excellent book for you 
All right, the Rebel Diaries Anthology. This is the penultimate time you will hear me talk about this. Uh, the Rebel uh, uh, Anthology closes for submissions next week. So there are there is only a week left. Um, I think it's only a week left. Uh, time is a lie because I'm recording this on the 18th of June. Uh, yes, so by the time this goes live, it will be the 23rd of June. Yes, so there is only one week. If you are thinking about getting a story and submitting a story to the anthology, then uh, you only have a week left to go. Uh, the the word count is two and a half thousand, five and a half, uh, seven and a half thousand words, plus or minus ten percent. Um, and the anthology, the call for stories, I'm going to tell you one last time is uh, what happens when the villain wins. Are you sick of dashing debonairs? Are you fed up of being blinded by shining armour? Sometimes all a girl wants is a villain for a hero. The Rebel Diaries is looking for stories starring characters with a dubious shade of morals. We want characters who aren't afraid of getting what they want, causing a bit of chaos, dabbling in mischief and mayhem, and slathering on the sarcasm. We want stories that slip into the grey areas that are bulging with villains, deviants and rebels. We're after sassy tales littered with questionable morals and happy endings. For the villains anyway. We are not looking for horror or gratuitous violence, but dark stories that are fun, light-hearted explorations of the characters usually hidden in obscurity. We actively encourage submissions from own voices, characters or authors with disabilities, or from underrepresented backgrounds, LGBTQ+, etc, etc. Yes, okay, so the deadline is the 30th of June, uh, midnight on the 30th of June, uh, so the end of the day on the 30th of June uh, but that's UK time um, and you can find all of the information uh, at sashablack.co.uk forward slash rebel submissions um, and I will include that link in the show notes. If you have any questions feel free to reach out uh, but I would encourage you to check the FAQ first uh, which is on that page and also there's another FAQ uh, in the Facebook group as well. All right, so in personal update then, I am a fucking world away from where I was last week. Um, I just want to say thank you. A few people reached out uh, and asked if I was okay. Uh, and on the day of recording, I really wasn't okay. Uh, but now I am much, much better. So I have outsourced a lot of work um, to my amazing VA. And I am super grateful. I am still, like, I'll be completely honest, I'm still a bit worried about the financial side of doing that. Uh, but what I can tell you is that this week I have done more creative work uh, in one week than I have done probably in two months. And that is literally because I have outsourced all of the admin, um, well, not all of it, but a lot of the admin. And so it freed up time and space for me to then create. You know, I've written new words, fresh words. Um, I have been recording uh, the villain's audiobook. I only have a couple of chapters left, so I'm gonna do one of them today. I've got two, I think I have four left, sorry. 
no three left anyway one today and a couple on Monday and I'm pretty much done then um, so then I'll be going into editing so I'll be spending next week editing that um, and I am also working on another non-fiction book <laughs> which I'm not ready to talk about yet um, but yeah so I'm going to be working on that it's going to be a smaller book and hopefully my goal is to get it out in January I have no idea if I'm going to be able to do that I've got a number of uh, conferences and things planned and I'm really keen to get this masterclass or all the masterclass for side characters done and then once I've done that one and I've sort of trialed it to see if it works and the format works I'm then going to be doing them retrospectively for prose villains and then lastly heroes um yeah so it has been a big week I've had so many personal realizations um following on from the things that I said last week in the show and I just I feel like I made a really big shift in the last week, a shift in my mindset, a shift in my focus, a shift in my productivity. Um, and despite like the fear of the financial like pressure of outsourcing work, because I can see how productive I'm going to be, I'm going to stick with it and just see how this goes because I think the result will be that I can deliver a lot more and finish a lot more project, products, uh, products, projects. So in the long run, it will be worth it uh, to do that. It's just nerve wracking, that, that's all. So yeah, I think that is my personal update. Um, what else? Uh, okay, Rebel of the Week. Rebel of the Week this week is CJ Dainton. CJ says, it was early in my final year of primary school, April the 1st to be exact. Normally a model student, <clears throat> that's easy for me to say, normally a model student, I found myself at, uh, at school early with a couple of with a small group of friends gossiping about the new school principal, who'd basically been strutting about annoying us all. Our teacher, who would constantly lose his temper every time the school office called him in, interrupting his lessons. Oh, sorry, and our teacher. This seemed to happen on a daily basis. He'd ignore the phone ringing as long as possible. Then he'd reach for his large fedora, uh, which covered the telephone where it hung on the wall. He'd throw the hat on his desk with some force, often knocking things on the floor and swearing audibly. We couldn't figure out who had the worst temp temperament, our teacher or the new principal. I'm not sure what prompted my April Fool's prank to tape the phone handle to the wall <laughs> hidden under his hat, but I was curious if he couldn't pick up the ringing phone, just how mad and sweary would he get? <laughs> <laughs> the classroom door was locked, but I managed to slide open a window and under a barrage of questions from my cowardly friends, found myself straddling the wide brick and metal windowsill. I told them not to be such fraidy cats and looked up to find the new stodgy principal standing right there, he, watching my burgeoning and short-lived criminal career. He asked me quietly why... <laughs> He asked me quietly why I was breaking into his school. At that point, the discomfort of the window frame was inspiring uh, complete honesty. So I told him my whole plan, start to finish, ending with, and that, sir, is why I'm breaking into your school. <laughs> this is brilliant. Go on then, he said, and let me know if you need more tape. Oh, what a legend. I didn't wait for him to change his mind and scrambled inside. Once the prank was set up, he let me out the door, my dignity restored, adding, so what time do you want me to call? <laughs> yes, the new grumpy principal had a little rabble heart. We chose maths for the call. My teacher least, my teacher's least liked 
shit. I love this story so much. And not only did it take my teacher forever <laughs> to get the phone handle untaped from the wall while it rang, the swears were utterly spectacular. <laughs> oh my goodness me, this oh, I love this story so much. What a cracking rebellion. Oh, I love that your head teacher, um, joined in with it and let you do it as well what a bloody legend oh that's proper made my day thank you so much uh, for your rebel story if you would like to be a rebel of the week please do send in your story it can be any kind of rebellion big small or something in between you can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or instagram me at sasha black one new patron today, welcome and thank you to Herman Stuernagel. I, Stuernagel? I hope I've said your uh, name correctly and I apologise if I haven't. Uh, a, a huge, gigantic thank you to all my existing patrons. Um, I adore you guys. I love the Slack group. I love everybody in uh, Patreon, all the comments that you leave, um, the support that you give. I And I just, and, and our Poison and Prose sessions as well are fantastic. So thank you so much to everybody supporting the show. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes as well as bonus content, you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Okay, enough bollocksing on from me. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. I am super excited for today's interview because I am joined by Christy Bromberg. Hello, hello. New York Hello, hello. Christy is a New York Times bestselling author under the name of Kay Bromberg. She writes contemporary novels that contain a mixture of sweet, emotional, and a whole lot of sexy and a little bit of real. She likes to write strong heroines and damaged heroes who we love to hate but can't help to love. Oh, I, I literally love the sound of that. Um, a mum of three, she plots her novels in between school runs and soccer practices. More often than not, with her laptop in tow and her mind scattered in too many different directions. Since she published her first book on a whim in 2013, Christy has sold over one and a half million copies of her books across 16 different countries and has landed on the New York Times, USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestseller lists over 30 times. Her Driven uh, trilogy, Driven, Fueled and Crashed, is currently being adapted for film by the streaming platform Passion Flix, which I'm definitely going to ask you about later. So before we... Um, dive into uh sort of all the questions about apple and marketing and all that good stuff would you like to tell everyone a little bit about you and i'm gonna mute myself because my son is being like super loud upstairs <laughs> um you pretty much nailed it on the head reading your the intro um my name's christy uh i um was a re romance reader and was working full-time and i read 50 shades of gray and i thought i can do this and who knew that I could, and that was driven my first book that I published. Um, and then a year later I quit my job and now this is my job, which is crazy and insane and like bizarre to me that I get to do, like write about people talking in my head all day long. 
it is literally the best job ever like we just make shit up all day long yeah, it's bizarre yeah <laughs> isn't it like people are like oh what do you do I live for a living like and they're like wait what yeah most people don't even know what I do it's funny I'm like you know the, the mom in the pickup line who no one knows they just think I'm a stay-at-home mom and I don't do anything because there are some very judgmental people who you know oh you my kids can't play with your kids because you're right <gasps> sex and then on the side hey what book is that you write yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. That book was amazing. Like when's the next one out? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, amazing. Well, so we're here to talk a little bit about Apple. Um, And I'm also going to ask you a few questions about sort of the sexy side of writing and and romance and stuff, because I know that is, I have a lot of um, writers who either write romance or they, they have like romance subplots. So we always need more tips for writing better romance, but let's start with Apple. So like broadly speaking, what are the best methods or tactics for selling more books on Apple? So Apple is a process. I feel like it's something that you need to invest time in um, and expect about six to 12 months for a return. Uh, It's not, you know, Amazon is the dominant one and Apple's really trying hard to make a run at them. Um, Number one thing I would say is make sure your metadata is in order, especially if you're writing a series. there's a ton of functionality driven on Apple Books as far as push notifications to readers, personalization within the store, um, the end of the book experience, you know, when you finish a book that is um, governed by the metadata. So make sure that all of your information when you enter your book is there uh, because that will help, you know, in the long run. Uh, another thing is they offer a first in free series, first in free series or first in series free. Um, they see a big, a really high conversion rate from that uh, to up to your second book. Uh, this is something I actually haven't done that I need to do. Um, and I, they, I've been being told to do this for years, but from other authors. So um, there's the, they, you know, if you have your first in series free, your conversion rate to your, your paid books is pretty high. Um, another thing is pre-orders. Pre-orders are big. Uh, you can set up your pre-orders within a year in advance. And if it's a year in advance and then you need more time. You just push the date out later. Um, you can do a temporary cover if you don't have your cover yet, uh, but it's very helpful to have numbers up and have links in the back of books so people can click through when, you know, you know, when, when I'm reading a book and I really like an author, I want to see what else they have. Uh, so if you have that in the back of your book, it's really nice to have those click through links so that people can pre-order right then. Um, and then, you know, like I said in the beginning, time, you have to give it time uh, because Apple is a little bit slower to build on the platform than say like an Amazon. But I also think they have more personal investment in the authors and getting to get them to be successful. So um, I, I loved one of the things you said about, um, you know, concentrating on what you put in the back of your book. Is there like, what kind of stuff do you put in? I mean, I, for me personally, I, I, it almost depends what I'm doing. Sometimes I'll be like, can you leave a review? And then other times if I'm like doing a join my list drive, I will change it and put, you know, join my list. But is there anything particular that you actually put into the back of your books that you find helpful? This is something that I need to do. I need to actually go through all my books and, and change the backs of the book. Um, but because I have a formatter who doesn't, I don't do it myself that I'm like always like, oh, they're going to kill me. Um, <laughs> 
in the back of the books, like if it's a series, I'm always put links for the rest of the books in the series. Like, hey, if you really like this book, here's what's next. And then um, I don't think I've ever really asked for reviews, which is probably something I should do. Um, but then I do like an about me with all my links on how to get in touch with me. But mostly I'm trying to drive to the next book in the series um, for pre-order. So that's pretty much where my main focus. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm looking for them to click. Okay, cool. Um, are there like any specific advertising or promotional activities that work well for Apple? I know you mentioned the free first in series, but I just wondered if there was like anything else that works well. Um, so links to Apple and social media, it's pretty interesting how often authors leave off Apple links. Um, you know, they always have an Amazon link. They always have a Goodreads link, but they very about 50% of the time you don't see them actually linking to Apple. So to make sure when you do your posts, you have Apple links, that's, it's, it sounds stupid, but it's amazing how many people, if they don't see a link, just ignore the post when they're an Apple's book, Apple book reader. Um, BookBub ads is another thing. Uh, Apple has told me, and, and I'm not strong on BookBub as far as whenever I do ads, they don't work very well for me there. I don't know why, um, but Apple, has informed me that they, when someone doesn't a book above ad, the Apple's links, the Apple books always perform very strongly. So that's another option. Um, targeting, um, when you're targeting your ads, target an iOS or an Apple device versus, you know, the, uh, because then it's going to go straight to Apple or um, iOS users. Um, and then sometimes they do promotions like, you know, my agent will send out, hey, Apple's doing, you know, sexy romance this month. Do you want to include a book or, you know, they're doing sweet romance or, you know, steamy, whatever. So, you know, they do a lot of promotions and usually you can get them um, if you have a rep there or if you have an agent or sometimes PR will know about it. Um, and that's sometimes how I get links or at parts sorry, can't talk. That's sometimes that's how I get selected for those options. Yeah, I love that. And one thing that um, authors shouldn't forget about uh, posting links is that um, Apple has a, an affiliate program as well. So you can yes. earn affiliate uh, income if you sign up to that. And it's literally as easy as just dumping your information in and then clicking the book that you want. So I always include links in my show notes. And another thing, I should also say is that you should always say that you are including affiliate links so that people know what they're clicking. If they don't want to click it, they can just, you know, copy and paste the name of the book. But yeah, so you can like order, uh, order twice. You can earn twice. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there are like any common mistakes or like the authors do when trying to sell books on Apple? I don't know if you've learned any lessons yourself or like over um, the years or. Yeah, I think, I think because it is a slow build there, authors kind of get frustrated and they give up. Um, but it is, I know it, some people do really well right off the bat, but I know others, it's just, they're just persistent with, you know, applying for promotions, um, doing the ads, pushing the books, and then kind of, and, and I do know the metadata is really huge there. Um, they do give out free Apple codes for books. Uh, I think like 150, well, I don't know, I haven't done it well, 150 for each book, or and maybe it's down to 50 now, I'm not sure. But if you use the codes on your release, which I'm not a big fan of that personally, because I'm like, I want you to buy it. I don't want to give you the code for free, but it also pushes the book up in the metadata. So it's a catch 22. So they do that. Um, I think not doing pre-orders with Apple is a big mistake. 
uh, pre-orders really do help, you know, click someone when they're in the moment or, you know, grab someone when they're in the moment of clicking. Um, and then, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. It's just more of a patience thing with Apple. Mm. And so obviously you've mentioned that Apple likes pre-orders and they have a lot of like functionality with the pre-order, like longer pre-orders uploading without uh, the cover and stuff. Do you have any tips or tricks as to how you can actually maximize um, the pre-order period or like how you can leverage pre-orders to your benefits? Um, I think, like I said, links in the back of the book that, you know, helps because, you know, if, if you just finished, I have a, like a four book or five book series out right now and they're all standalones. But at the end of the first book, I say, oh, did you enjoy, you know, this book, this brother, you know, this sister's book is coming up next. And so I've been doing this for over a year with them and the pre-orders built, it's not like a drastic increase daily, but you know, they trickle in every day. And at the, when it comes to release, you're like, oh, I actually have decent pre-orders. Um, Doing pre-orders allows you, allows you also to do it in pre-marketing efforts. You know, on release day, how many books nowadays release on a Tuesday or Wednesday? I mean, a million. It used to be when I started, you know, oh, there was a hundred books. Now there are so many books, your books kind of get lost in the fray. So if you're, you know, pushing a book ahead of time and you see links, it's a little, a little bit easier for an, a reader to see a link and be like, oh, I'm going to click it now versus on release day when there's so many number, you know, so many books you get lost in it. Um... And then sometimes Apple suggests that you do an exclusive pre-order with them. So you only do a pre-order for the first two or three weeks with them. Um, and then you allow, and then you, you know, bring on board your other pre-order links. Um, and that's just their way of trying to get more pre-orders through them because people are excited about a book. Mm. I didn't know. I didn't, I would never have thought to do like an exclusive pre-order on just one. Yeah, I've done exclusive where I've done like three chapters to try uh -huh. and get people in. Oh, so you, you are, ah, so, so is it, they pre-order, send you proof of pre-order and you send the chapters or how does that work? No, you just upload them in like your iTunes producer. So you just put them in there as like your, you know, how you can do the sample. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in the sample section. And ah, then, okay. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have thought to have uh, done that. That's wicked. Okay. How can you find and reach readers on Apple? Do you like, do you think all genres sell well on Apple? Is it, are there some genres, you know, I don't know, like, are there, I mean, I, we, we all know that like crime and romance are the two big, or th I should say thrillers, crime and sort of romance are the big ones, but I don't know, like, can, can everyone could, can YA, can historical, I don't know, like, how do we I find our readers? <laughs> how do we find readers I don't on know. Apple? Um, <laughs> um, I'm not sure about the other genres because I only deal with, with romance. Um, but a lot of times readers find, you know, on BookBub, on Facebook, on Free Booksy or Bargain Books, you know, like the, all the different sites. So if you do a promotion, make sure you add your links to it. Um, I always look at the Apple charts in the main category charts to see what's currently popular with readers. And sometimes I target my ads on Facebook to those books, to readers mm. of those books. Um, and then they, as always, you know, the free books to try and reel people in. And I'm a hard, I, I, I have a trouble with the free book thing. I've always been like, I, why do I want to give my book away for free? Um, you know, but then if I do a, a, a book, Bob, it, it, you could see that the, the link, you know, the, the read through. So I have a, 
I have a hate love with the free book thing. I I also feel that way. Like when you sweat blood and tears and tantrums and a little bit of gin into your books, like it, it hurts to give it away for free, but also it does, you know, there are lots of people who then do binge read series and stuff. So Or they um, just run their Kindle for four years and they never read it. Well, there's also that as well. Yeah. And I suppose yeah, it is I haven't done the free thing yet, but I'm I'm I've got two to publish in the same series later this year. And so I'm like, well, it's time. It's time. Like I need to do the first it's hard one for free. It is hard. I don't wanna. I have um, friends who used to not, who used to not write. And it used to always be, well, just put it up for free. And now that they're like pretty successful, they're like, I would never put it for free. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Didn't you always tell me that I should have put a book up for free? It's a lot different when it's yours. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, Okay, I wanted to ask you about romance as well. So in terms of like writing craft, what's the most important factor in creating romance like that makes the reader cling to the page? Um, I think my main goal is to have the reader identify with the heroine because most of of our readers are female. I write first person. Um, You want the reader to feel like they're standing in the room, that they're watching everything unfold. Um, and I love good, I love some good tension. I love, um, I like writing enemies to lovers. I like when there's some tension and some, you know, I like him, but I'm not supposed to like him type of thing. That's my um, favorite trope ever, yeah. like, without question. Fun. <laughs> I mean, I like second chance romance because I don't have to build their back. You know, I don't have to like make a reason why they like each other. Mm-hmm. So then you don't get accused of, oh, they just jumped into bed right away. Um, you know, like, no, there's a history there, but there's something about enemies to love or you can like pull so many strings and have so much tension and so many almost there kisses, that type of thing, which I think you're just like, oh my God, kiss her already. Yeah, 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 absolutely. There is like, it's, it is the best and worst form of torture ever for a reader like when you are just shipping the shit out of this you know couple and you're like just desperate for them to bang or whatever and you know and then you're like you know and then the I don't know yeah it's like the worst thing ever as well like they get a kiss at the end of book one but no sex till book two like what no it's not I'd be crucified crucified for that um (laughs) I also in my books I like to put a little bit of real like and I know a lot of some people don't like that But for me, I think that grounds the characters and grounds the reader to the characters so that there's something that's not, it's just not, you know, like, oh, this fantasy world is like, oh, I can identify with that. Like, that's how my real life is, you know, and it makes you want to be close, you you know. What does that look like for some of your characters? Like, what do, have you got any examples of what real looks like? Well, like I've written about Alzheimer's. I've written about breast cancer. I've written about um, illiteracy. I've written just something that, makes the character seem real um, or hard family situations that, you know, the hero's trying to be good and take care of their family, even though they don't deserve it. And you see the turmoil and the tension and the, you just making characters real versus I am this, you know, $2 billion CEO and, you know, life doesn't touch me. Sometimes I think you need to be, the characters need to be touched by life to make them realistic. And I, and I know, you know, we read to escape, but I also think that allows you to root harder for them because you can understand something, you know, in their life that maybe you understand. Yeah, no, I completely, um, I completely agree with that. And I think that 
like again nobody's ever really said that to me but um I I think those characters where there is that little ounce of reality or um you know I read a, a fantastic book last week I think it was uh from a debut author called excuse me while while I ugly cry and it was about a black woman who grew up predominantly in a white society and what that did to her identity and it's like it was that that ounce of realism because that is something that happens and it was yeah. just and it made me relate so much harder to the to the character and that sort of inner turmoil so I love that advice um Okay, so one of the things that um, I think authors are very black and white on, either they love a sexy scene, I love writing a sexy scene, or they hate it and they're terrified of it and so they sort of stay away. What advice have you got for writers who perhaps would like to try writing a sex scene but are nervous of doing so? Okay, so I'm in the middle on that. I hate writing sex scenes, but I'm good at it. So um, for me, I think it's hard when you're first starting to deal with mechanics, emotion, situation. There's so many things you have to do when literally there's only like so many slots you can stick flap A into flap B. Like, um, I mean, let's, I mean let, let's be honest, you know, at some point you're like, okay, I've written 60 sex scenes in my book so far. Like, how am I going to switch this up? You know, um, you need to rely on emotions. You need to rely on senses, smell, texture, taste, um, touch. I think bringing, you know, dealing with your five senses is really important. It doesn't have to be long, but you have to make sure the emotions there. Cause if there's no emotions there, I'm going to skip the sex scene when I'm reading it. Mm. Um, I want to know why they're having sex. I want there to be a purpose to it. Yeah. There's some good up against the wall quickies. Like, don't get me wrong. Those are hot and sexy but it can't be what drives the book. The book has to be driven by the emotion or by their connection. Um, so I'm not a good person to ask advice on, except for I think make sure there is a reason for the connection. Make sure you use your five senses um, and make sure when you're done with the sex scene, whatever you wanted out of it is there. Does she, all of a sudden she realize, you know, are they, have they had, you know, kind of, <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. A hardcore whole book. And then all of a sudden this scene is slow and she realizes she's, he loves her or, you know, like maybe in all the other scenes she's questioning, you know, I write maybe about two to three scenes, a book, a book without some other, like, we know they're going to have it, but I, I'm not specific. Um, so you need to make sure whatever your reasoning for having the scene is noticed at the end of the scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think that emotion point is so crucial as well because it's the difference it's, between erotica and romance. Erotica yeah. is sex for sex. Romance is sex for a purpose to drive the, t- the character's relationship. Yeah, and that that's really what what I was asking about. I wasn't yeah because I mean I write well I write fantasy but with romance subplots like Uh heavy romance subplots um all my books have some form of romancing because I love love um but yeah even though I'm like dead on the inside but whatever um okay so no no yeah (laughs) let's just move on uh okay so selfish question what was it like having your books turned into like movies and have you got any advice for authors wanting to pitch to film and tv agents 
Um, the first part, it was crazy, surreal, uh, just bizarre to watch like these characters come to life in front of you that have been in your head. Um, and to be so involved in the process, uh, Passion Flicks allowed me, to, you know, between screenplay and on set and clothing and your, you know, wardrobe and scenery, you know, it was like, is this okay, Christy? Is this okay, Christy? You know, I would get texts the days I wasn't on set. Christy, is this okay? Can, you know, here's a snippet of this scene. Are you, are we good to say cut? That was bizarre to me to, to one, have them pick up the books and then two, to have them want me to be as involved as I was, um, which I don't think that's normal with other, but th because they're strictly adapting romance novels and they know these readers know these books inside and out. Mm. Um, they were really allowed me to be hands-on, which was incredible. Um, as far as pitching to film and, and TV agents, I don't know. They approached me, I didn't pitch to them. Um, I know it's a complicated, long process that's, always like, you know, a couple of times I've even brought it up to my agent. She's like, you know, it's not even worth it. Like, so she's, she always says to me, someone's going to have to pick something up and fall in love with it and then drive it through agencies. So it's not something I've really pursued. Mm, mm, okay. I, uh, I, I just think it's fantastic. I've watched like uh, some really good translations recently and also watched some really bad translations. And so I'm always curious, like what, like what that process is like, how involved people are, what it feels like to see the thing that was in your head. Yeah. That's like, surreal. Yeah. Totally. I, <laughs> like I've got, I've recently fallen in love with Outlander, which I haven't read the books. So I'm terrified to read the books because I'm like in love with what's on the screen. So I have to, I have to delve into them next. So the most fascinating thing happened to me. I am one of these people who uh, really, really loves the book more than the TV show generally, even when there are good, like mm -hmm. I can appreciate a good translation, <laughs> but I will still love the book. Yeah. Um, however, I almost feel like this is sacrilege to say this, but um, I don't know if you've heard of Lee Bardugo, but she wrote Six of Crows and the Shadow and Bone series and yes, Shadow okay. and Bone is a new TV yeah. Netflix. Netflix. Um, I loved the books, but the TV show was insane. And, okay, and cool. I almost... It's, it, I know it sounds like, I know, Don't... I know, I'm like, oh, but it was so good. And I've never, like, I just, anyway. So yeah, it, it's, I find it, I find the whole process of that translation fascinating. Um, well, I think what's fascinating for me was when I got the script for Driven, the first time I'm thinking you've left so much out, but in going through the process, they left out the internal monologue, which in, in a movie, you know, my three pages of description in a book can be shown with one look. Yeah. Wow. You don't need that in a, in a screenplay. So I, you know, and like, even in the last two, we filmed the last two, um, November and December through COVID, um, it was weird to be on set and have Michael and Olivia, the actors like arguing over, well, when I read the book, I thought it was supposed to be like this. And when I read the book and then they would look at me and they're like, so which one, what is it? <laughs> And then I'm thinking, oh crap, I wrote these seven years ago. Yes. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, 
that's so funny you say that I literally I've been rereading my my own books because I'm about to go and edit for the last time the third one seriously check out the number yep. of post-it notes because of how much shit I have forgotten out of my own book it's insane yep. um sorry and for listeners who can't well I nobody can see because this is a podcast but there's basically a, there was a lot of, of tabs yeah there was a lot of sticky tabs it was a rainbow yeah um okay right this is the rebel author podcast so can you tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel you know what's funny I am so modest and like reserved but I'll tell you something when I go to book signings and I feel like I'm with my people who get me I'm way different like in normal life my husband's like you know like, let's do something, be spontaneous. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. But when I'm at a book signing, there's something about being with people who get you that I'm like a little crazier. I know that's really boring and I'm not rebellious at all. I was like the goody two-shoe girl who like didn't drink till she was of age, you know, and <laughs> God forbid did anything. So yeah, I'm boring. But I do think there's something to be said with when you're around people who you feel most comfortable with, which I feel like are authors and readers. Um, who get this world of ours that people don't get if they're on the outside of it. Even my husband's like, you're on your computer, like talking to people. I'm like, yeah, well, they're my friends. Like yeah. I've never met them. Well, I don't have to like meet them face to face. Yeah. So I think there's, that's, that's my rebel. Like I remember we were, I was at, um, there was a sign in Philadelphia and they had this big dance floor and no one was dancing. And so I was like literally going up to people, pulling them up, like, come on, let's go. And that's not me. But it was like, these are my peeps. We're good. I love that uh, that you said that about your your husband. My my wife was like that uh, really at the start as well. She was like, these are literally strangers. And I'm like, but they're not because I've spoken to them like every day. Yeah, for and years, like I've for years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They've never met them, but I know <laughs> them. <laughs> exactly. I'm I like laugh, I'm cackling on the inside because I've had that conversation so many yeah. times. It's insane. Yeah, if you are not an author, it is very hard to under- understand our weird. Like, and there's a lot of weird for us. So, okay, tell everyone where they can find out more about you, your books, and anything else you would like to add. Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere um, on Apple Books, um, Amazon, Kobo, Barnes and Noble. <laughs> I have to think I'm dropped. Google Play. Um, or kbronberg.com or all the social media. I mean, I'm everywhere except for I'm figuring out TikTok. Be patient with me there. (laughs) Oh, you're braver than me. I like took one look at TikTok and was like, "Mm, no, I I just can't. My 15 year old wanted a new phone and I said, well, start making TikToks for me. Yeah, amazing. Oh man, mine's only seven. He he can't, he, he doesn't get that yet. Yeah, oh. you're lucky. Say, savor that, please. Yeah. I, I have a 15, I have a 15, a 12, and a 10-year-old. Wow. That is a <sighs> lot of hormones in one house. <laughs> Way too many hormones in one house. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, a gigantic thank you to all of the show's patrons if you would like to get early access to all of the episodes then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black and of course thank you to everyone listening i'm sasha black you are listening to Kay bromberg and this was the rebel author podcast
Next week's episode, I will be talking to Daniel Wilcox, my writing BFF and fellow co-host of the Next Level Authors podcast. Join us next week when we will be talking all about how to self-publish a book and like mistakes to avoid and uh, lessons that we have learned and all of that good stuff. And there's lots of uh, banter in that as well. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.